On this episode of 1.21 Gigawatts, we'll talk to Ryan North, writer of the Eisner Award-nominated Unbeatable Squirrel Girl for Marvel Comics. And I strap on a proton pack and check out Ghostbusters Dimension at Madame Tussauds in New York City. Now straight from the Computer Science Department at Empire State University, this is 1.21 Gigawatts! Hey there, and welcome to 1.21 Gigawatts, episode number 9 for October 2016. I'm your host, Brad Barton. This podcast is meant to shine a spotlight on the aspects of geek pop culture that I think are cool and noteworthy and should be celebrated. I'm referring to movies, TV, comics, games, theme parks, and more. If all that sounds good to you, you are in the right place. Thank you for inviting me into your ears. And I intend to do that not only by bringing you interviews with the creators of said nerdly awesomeness, but also with a series of rotating segments and features that take a deep dive into a specific geeky topic. If there's something strange in your neighborhood, chances are you've wandered into the Times Square area of Midtown Manhattan, where, let's face it, strange sights are as common as costumed Elmo knockoffs. But those that venture into Madame Tussauds on 42nd Street will find themselves immersed in Ghostbusters Dimension, a virtual reality experience that physically drops you into the paranormal action that you've seen in the movies. The experience is created by a company called The Void, and they've made the logical step of literally untethering the player from a computer. Which in this case actually means that they've taken the lightweight computer that runs an individual's experience and put it in a backpack, uh, uh, proton pack, that the player wears. Each player is also given a weapon and strapped into a VR headset, which transforms the minimalist physical environment into a poltergeist-infested apartment building. Three players at a time make up a team navigating through this environment and taking out ghosts, And I want to stress that you really do move through a physical environment. If you touch a wall during the VR experience, you're going to feel a real physical wall. If you have to turn a doorknob to move to the next area, that's going to be a real doorknob. There are real fans and real shaky platforms to walk across, all of which are present to cement the fantasy that you're walking on a precarious catwalk near the top of a New York skyscraper. The result is immersive enough that you'll find yourself peeking outside of the VR headset once or twice just to make sure you're not in imminent risk of falling off a building or getting ambushed by a winged interdimensional demon of some sort. I explored Ghostbusters Dimension with a group of friends, and as soon as we finished, we geared down, we put our captured ghosts into the containment unit, and we talked about the experience. We just emerged from... Ghostbusters Dimension virtual reality experience at Madame Tussauds in New York City, which was pretty cool. And I'm standing around with some of my friends who, for reasons I won't go into right now, all have a little bit of experience in the virtual reality uh, workplace and workspace. So this ain't our first rodeo in the virtual reality, and yet uh, everyone seems to be walking out of this room with grins on their faces. And I've got to say, we were, so we went through in three different teams, um, fighting ghosts. There was some uh, genuinely creepy stuff in there. Uh, yeah. And um, team one uh, went in first. Team two that I was in, I think, could hear team one. 
going through thanks to Valeria, who was terrified by multiple things as we still went through. Still am, still am. Oh my god. She has an issue with heights. Yes. <laughs> if, if yes, if you have oh, issue the, with the heights. The bridge freaked me out. I when it shook? Yes. Oh, oh my god. Oh. I refuse to go. I like to I have to say, I, no, real, this the, is this is it for me. I'm not going there. The real effects in terms of I was of, like, so petrified the whole thing just gonna drop. Yeah. That that uh, would be that one thing to improve. That would that would make it. <laughs> Valeria wants to see her insurance waiver before ever doing something like this like this again. Um, I think that was one of the coolest things in there actually was that the the physical environment this is that's something I've never done before. Very hard to do well. And yeah. they did it extraordinarily well. Yeah, it was really amazing. Um, I really enjoyed like the wind and like the ground shaking. And the the, at one point, yeah, when you got slimed or something. Oh. The, the elevator you could was see the other great. people walking around with yes. you. It was really cool too. Yeah, that that really was great. You could see your teammates, and I don't know. I feel like at least having having, having this thing like, are we supposed to work together? Are we supposed to be separate? I saw the movies. Do we need to be like that? More one-liners? What do we need? More one-liners. <laughs> the, yeah, the, the coolest part is that it's different for everyone, for every team, because you create your own, whatever you do is your unique experience, because I'm sure you experience something different, because you reacted differently, you touched different things, you know, explored different areas, so that made We it so had cool. to be led, like somebody pulled on my gun because Valeria wouldn't go across the bridge, like somebody like actually like pulled me, like, no, you have you to have continue. To <laughs> That's true. If, if you're going through these environments and thinking I've got this VR helmet over my face, I have no idea what I'm doing, it's totally unsafe. That's true. Every time, like, you'd peek every once in a while, right? I can't be alone in doing that. Yeah. And, and that that was almost the scariest thing, like, there's a human standing right there. Well, when, we, when we were on the bridge, I had to look. I'm like, okay, I'm not going to fall off of something and die. Am I? Okay, good. I thought it was good that he, he did tell us the walls were the only things that were real. So yeah. occasionally you would grab the wall walking through a doorway, which I think kind of helped you along. Although probably from, from an interactive experience, I know that in Team 2, we were all taking every opportunity to like poke as many environment things in the room as we yeah. can. Like I know physically it's not there because, uh, as as quick background as you're going through your Ghostbusters, of course, and going through like an old hotel, I guess is the is the drama or apartment building or something. Uh, this, uh, the, the only other main character besides your team, if one can call it that, is an extremely creepy little 13-year-old girl who, yeah. killed her pets. who killed her. She liked to kill her pets, naturally. Let's follow her. <laughs> and, and sometimes it's, it's nice, solid walls. Yeah. My daughter's last year, Halloween. <laughs> yeah, so I was okay with her. <laughs> I could relate to her. We bonded. So the main character is Valeria's haunted daughter. <laughs> Her, yeah, phantasmic daughter going through. Um, yeah, but as you go through, some sometimes you're physically you've got to open the doors, both in the in the space and in the real world. Sometimes you're on a very shaky structure. There's wind, there's effects, and um, that makes it very cool. I know that this is sort of the the virgin effort from a VR firm based out of Utah called The Void. This is their first thing, uh, which is amazing. Um, uh, with a few others, I think scheduled to open, but not too shab. And the thing, my biggest like thing is that you couldn't see your own hands or your your own person. And they're, they've actually have said that they are working on getting gloves as well, so you can actually see your oh, hands. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. That that was sort of the interesting thing. And if you look at your teammates, occasionally you'd see some really pretty uh, janky uh, joints. Out yeah. Of chins. Right. Yeah. 
Right. But luckily, I think the rest of the environment was such that that's all sort of like a momentary, like, well, that's not a... That's not that. That 3D model needs a little bit of work, but the aside your, from that, the way your teammates watch is really funny too, because you're like hop hop, hop hop these little steps <laughs> in order to get somewhere. No, Alex kind of how they walk in the movies, anyway. Sliding. We need go first through every doorway. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think, I think the little physical objects help too. Details like shooting things around the room, and you could shoot the TV out yeah, in one place, and yeah. playing with that stuff. The biggest thing is, I th- I wish there were more ghosts that you could capture. Yeah, that, that's true. And at the beginning, it's not necessarily clear that like that little helper ghost that sort of sets up the story. Like, yeah. it's just to be capturing it or just no, listening. it's adoring it. It was so cute. <laughs> Available in the gift shop yeah. after exactly. after the experience. Um, no, I was so sad. Who shot the little guy? Chris, oh, was I definitely you? shot the little she guy did. first. We annihilated so the little cool. guy. Yeah, yeah. And like, the room. We destroyed go. that room. We, we left that room a, a blackened, tarry mess by the time we walked out. Um, uh, interestingly enough, also, when you're talking about adding gloves to it, which I think would be really cool, yeah, so you could see your actual hands, um, right now you're sort of walking around with, like, two clones of yourself, so if you want to play as a random white guy, <laughs> then you've come to the right place. So, you know, for version one, okay, great, whatever, but moving moving down the line, yeah, it would be super, super cool if you could begin to... Um, yeah, if you could personalize your avatar, especially since this is arguably a promotion for the all-lady Ghostbusters movie, which ain't no ladies, ain't no ladies in there except except for Valeria's haunted daughter. <laughs> <laughs> she was lovely. She was very very effective. Please give her my regards. Krista shot her. <laughs> and on that happy note. <laughs> Uh, so who are you going to call? It's yourself. Get thyself to Madame Tussauds in Times Square and uh, bust yourself some ghosts. Um, big fun. Bye, guys. Thank you very much to uh, to Adam and Alex and Alex and Valeria and Krissa. Thanks, guys. Bye. For more information on Ghostbusters Dimension, as well as the Ghostbusters Experience, featuring wax replicas of the cast of this year's Ghostbusters film, visit MadameTussauds.com. But brace yourself, there's an image of that little ghost girl we were talking about, and she is one unsettling spirit. Astute listeners of this podcast may have noticed in the past that there have been a few passing references to the Marvel Comics character Squirrel Girl. That has not been a mistake. Her ongoing series, The Unbeatable Squirrel Girl, is must-read material in my house each month, which made the following interview extra exciting. You see, when Squirrel Girl was introduced in 1992, she was a bit of a punchline. She had a big bushy tail, she could communicate with squirrels, and was perpetually upbeat, even though she did have a reputation for taking on Marvel's most villainous characters, like Doctor Doom and Thanos, and soundly defeating them. But the character gained a new level of respect when her solo comic launched with a new creative team in January 2015, which led to an Eisner Award nomination, as well as the simultaneously ridiculous and awesome catchphrase, eats nuts and kicks butts. Recorded a few weeks ago at New York Comic Con, here's my conversation with the writer of The Unbeatable Squirrel Girl, Ryan North. A few years ago when I decided that the time was right to indoctrinate my son into the addictive glories of comic books, I brought home a few kid-friendly titles as they were released. Among those selections was the first first issue of Unbeatable Squirrel Girl from Marvel, 
There were about two minutes of skepticism before my son was hooked, then so was I, and then shortly thereafter, the world. Uh, or at least anyone who appreciates hilarious, upbeat, quirky, endlessly inventive comic books. And so, since time is now marked in my household largely by the monthly release schedule of Squirrel Girl, it's also my pleasure to be with the mad genius writer of the series, Ryan North. Welcome to 1.21 Gigawatts. Thank you for having me. You know it. Um, I should add that, uh, hopefully in a second, uh, your uh, co-conspirator, the awesome artist on the book, Erica Henderson, will be sitting nearby. We'll drag her in if the questions get just too ridiculous and you need an assist. Um, is it true this is the first convention that you two have been together at? Is that yeah. right? Yeah, we've been uh, together like in real life before, but this is the first actual show we've come together at. How often do you get to get together in real life? Uh, not often enough, <laughs> but uh, we try to make it happen when we can. And then it's great just yeah, to hang out like and like talk Squirrel Girl, what we could have happen next, yeah. imagine different stories. Tell me about that creative partnership. Do you primarily drive it to the two of you get together and just kick back ideas saying like, oh, you know, it would be great, or oh, please let me draw, yeah. or whatever? <laughs> it's, not, it's not, oh, please let me draw, because I can't draw at all, but... It's uh, more and more collaborative as time goes on. Um, the first, the first comic we did, I just sort of wrote it and sent it over to her. But uh, since we've gotten more and more collaborative, the uh, Mole Man arc we did was coming from discussions like, "What should we do? Let's have her go on dates, so her personal life a bit more." And so, um, yeah, it's it's very much uh, more than some of its parts. I feel like when I get the scripts back from Erica, they're better than what I imagined when I drew them, which is the best thing you want to have happen. Right. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, I know that you and the book's editor, Will Moss, worked together to sort of crack the character and take her from before a quirky footnote sort of tucked into the corners of West Coast Avengers stories to this fun-loving and loyal and outside-the-box thinker that she is now. How, how did you arrive at a character who isn't always going to overpower the bad guys so much as she's going to connect with them and win them over more often than not? <laughs> Yeah, that's, that's a fun part of it, because in this context of the superhero milieu, it's uh, almost revolutionary. It's more of a punch-first-ask-questions-later thing. Uh, initially, Erica had done some sketches, and they had such uh, personality and verb to them that I kept them open on the window as writing the first issue. So I found, like, oh, who am I writing? It's this person here. And then uh, the first draft, where she meets Craven, initially she just beat him up with squirrels. And I sent that to Will, and he was like, this is good. Uh, but I always saw Squirrel Girl as someone who kind of helped people solve their problems. And I, it was like reading the uh, answer key in the back of a teacher's book. It's like, oh, yes, yes, this is who it is. I got it. Thank you. Say no more. Let me send you a new draft. It's going to be so much better. And uh, since then, sort of, that's been the core of her, where she's empathic and would rather solve the core problems than punch someone. And that's, I mean, that's how I try to solve my problems and don't get into many fist fights these <laughs> days. Yeah, so I, I find that very relatable. Nice. That goes against everything that the national discourse stands for, yeah. <laughs> at least in the U.S. But uh, Fist fights all the time. That's right. Have there been concepts that you've wanted to bring to the page that have been shut down editorially? And I ask that if for no other reason because you guys have introduced some fairly non-traditional stuff, pages and pages of computer science discussions. Yeah. <laughs> um, the bottom of the page narration device. Uh, and fairly recently, a full page uh, discussing how you can count on one hand in binary. <laughs> Um, have you ever had the call of, you've lost your mind, Ryan, we can't do that one? No, uh, they've been really great about uh, sort of going with it. I'm not sure if they say, oh, Ryan's just so great, everything touched her into gold, or they're like, something here is working, let's just not get in the way. But uh, they have not said no to very much, which is great. So it's been, it's been kind of ideal. <laughs> like, I get to write this Marvel book and play in the Marvel Universe, but I don't have 
editorial interference, being like, you can't do this, you can't do this, you have to right. do this now. All this stuff is sort of off to the sides. So I've been really enjoying it. It's Does it great. ever surprise you that they say, really, you're going to let me do this counting on one hand thing? Uh, <laughs> I mean, the CS I mean, it's, issue. It's amazing, and it gets a discussion. Yeah. Issue, I mean, I try, to, I try to pitch it as something that's positive. So, like, yeah. this will be great. And they say, yeah. oh, I no, hope no, that'll no, be great. No, and then we do it. And then yeah, it turns out okay. And then it does. It is. <clears throat> so, the supporting cast of Unbeatable Squirrel Girl is one of the big reasons that the book shines. Uh, Doreen's cat enthusiast roommate, Nancy Whitehead, is, <clears throat> for all intents and purposes, the second lead of the series, yep. um, which leads me into the following nerd-out moment over a very specific panel. I'm, gonna, yes. I'm going deep now. I'm ready. I feel like you guys planted this giant seed for future stories when, during the Mole Man arc, when the Mole Man's trying to woo Doreen, which was delightful from beginning to end, by the way. Thank you. Um, he basically says to Nancy, it's obvious why you're trying to stop me. It's because you love her. And there's this close-up panel of Nancy's face with one of the greatest poker ex- poker face expressions. No obvious reaction, no thought bubbles, no captions of any sort. Yep. Any comment, sir? I have nothing to say on that. Oh, yeah. I feel like the work speaks for itself. All right. <laughs> I would agree. Uh, that's almost exactly what I wanted to say. Um, so Unbeatable Squirrel Girl received an Eisner Award nomination for Best New Series. Erica was nominated in the category of Best Penciler. Inker for her work on the uh, on the series as well as Jughead. Um, the Eisners don't often single out superhero books, and yet there it is. Is it just an honor to be nominated, or <laughs> what, no, does, uh, what does it mean to be recognized among the industry's uh, best? As a guy who's been nominated and won before, I feel like yeah. legit the honor isn't being nominated <laughs> because, and this is I think the real part, the nomination is done through a juried. Uh, group of peers who are looking for the, the stuff they liked, stuff they thought was good. The awards are by voting, so it's almost a popularity contest. So, real talk, the honor is to be nominated. Nice, nice. It's true. There we are. You made me believe you. <laughs> Sorry, I mean, that's okay, that's all right. Chris Hastings, ladies and gentlemen. Chris Dr. Hastings, Ninja. guest appearance, Chris Hastings. <laughs> Throw, throw in some side eye, like, all right, you and your eyes. Just, just having a laugh. Having sure. a laugh with the back. Sure. Yeah. So, as if the monthly book isn't enough, hot off the presses is the original graphic novel, Unbeatable Squirrel Girl Beats Up the Marvel Universe. My son, Scott, is standing right next to me. He's clutching it. He got it yesterday. He, he inhaled it. It's being signed as we speak. Uh, Live. Scott, do you uh, have a quick review, anything that you'd want to mention about the book while we're talking about it? Uh, it's great. It's just a wonderful addition to the Scroll Girl universe. Yeah. Thank you. I was waiting for the word milieu to <laughs> pop out of your mouth there for a sec. I could have um, said gestalt, but I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> What's... Um, what was the motiv- motivating factor for the graphic novel? Was that a seed that came from you guys? Was it done at Marvel's request? Was it a sadistic plan to not let Erica sleep for four months? What exact combination thereof, perhaps? Uh, they asked us if we had any ideas for a graphic novel. And uh, I think we saw it as an opportunity to tell a larger story that we could normally tell. Yeah. The thing with doing superhero monthly comics is that you're in this shared universe. And so the example I have is like if I were to blow up the Earth, which may or may not happen in the book. Okay. Don't spoil anything. But if I did, that affects what Spider-Man's doing. Yeah. And if you're telling this story over six months, uh, there's six people saying, why is Spider-Man's Earth not destroyed? Or what's happening here? Right. But in a, in a graphic novel where it acts as one unit, as long as you put the Earth kind of back together at the end, you don't have to worry about what Spider-Man's doing. Right. So the larger scope of that tale, of that format, let us tell a, a story that we could, couldn't normally do in a monthly comic because it's the downside of a shared universe that you're always impacting what Spider-Man's up to. Right, right, right. Along those lines, um, is it 
What are the challenges, or is it tricky when Marvel launches some gigantic world-altering events that, in theory, is going to shake everything up? And in the case of you guys, resulted in it's our second first second issue this year. Yeah. Uh, They've been great. They've given us the option to like, do you want to do something with this or not? Okay. And we've been like, I think we're good. (laughs) (laughs) I was gonna say, you guys notably do seem to be like, oh look, the skies are all red over there. Whatever. Um, so the foreword in the graphic novel is written by Shannon and Dean Hale, who yes. are writing the upcoming young adult novel, Squirrel Meets World. Um, I don't guess that you have any direct role in that project, but did you talk to them for any guidance or, or coordination? Yeah, I gave them a bunch of Squirrel Girl secrets Ooh. that uh, we don't know yet. Yeah. Um, and they wrote a really good book. Uh, I read it and I was like, this is great. I'm so glad the book is great. It's really well done. It fits Doreen perfectly. That's, that is great. Uh, because Squirrel Girl is so adored and because we're living in an age where every Marvel co- comic book character is due to eventually appear on screen, uh, there's already been buzz about the character on screen and actors throwing their squirrel-eared headband into the ring for consideration. So to date, I feel like that list has been made up of Anna Kendrick, mm-hmm. uh, Shannon Purser, Barb mm-hmm. from Stranger Things, and simply because he uh, maybe wears the costume better than anyone, John Barrowman at San Diego Comic Con. costume. Um, do you have dream casting for Doreen Green? I don't. Um, and they don't tell us any of, of course. any of the stuff, of which course. is too bad, because I email them, I'm like, what's going on? They're like, I don't know. They don't tell me this either. Um, I don't. It's tricky. Like, Doreen... I don't know. I feel like I'm too close well, to see it. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, I, you know, as a fan, I, I personally sort of go back and forth between desperately wanting to see it and also thinking, I, I don't know. I don't yeah. know if this is going to translate entirely. And I, and I say that uh, because it seems like a really delicate line to get what you guys do, what your version of Doreen is. And, and I would say, for example... When Squirrel Girl became a team member in New Avengers, you know, with all due respect to Al Ewing, I think that she sort of shifted into weirdo comic relief more than holding on to the. And, and I'm grossly like, oversimplifying. Yeah, and no, I feel like that the challenge is that we write a book that is a comic book and it's sort of at home in that medium. And translating that into a different medium means, like, what is what happens to the text at the bottom of the page? Like, how do you incorporate that idea, yeah, or do yeah. you ignore it? Do you lose it? Do you find some other way to make it fit in the cinematic or the television, the animation context? So it's it's tricky. Um, in the Squirrel Girl YA novel that Shannon and Dean wrote, uh, they had a really clever idea with footnotes, where in the chapters when uh, Squirrel Girl's writing, Tippy has little footnotes at the bottom. <laughs> and it, it's a, it sort of captures the same idea in yeah. a different medium. And I, I love that. I'm like, oh, this is not the same thing, but it's the same type of thing. And it fits the whole thing. Yeah. And I'm week. not sure I'd do that in videos yet. So <laughs> yeah, I'm not yeah. sure how you would transform oh, it. Right, right, right. Yes, that, that would be a trick. So with all this talk of Squirrel Girl, we haven't even mentioned the other incredible projects that fill your days, the online strip <laughs> Dinosaur Comics, <laughs> Choose Your Own Path Shakespeare books, um, uh, of to be or not to be, the Hamlet installment, Time Magazine called it utterly brilliant. So have you been yet named Time's Man of the Year, and or when does that happen? Uh, wasn't it 2000 where the Man of the Year <laughs> sure. was everyone? There was a mirror on the cover? So you were included. Yeah, no, I took that. I, was like, I got that out of the way early. You don't need to be No, I got it. No big deal. Yeah, that makes sense. That's, uh, that pretty much <laughs> hits, hits the nail on the head. <laughs> Uh, 
that's fantastic. Well, I, I'm so grateful for the time. And uh, if anyone out there is listening to this and wondering what Squirrel Girl is all about, if for nothing else, just realize that is the book where you're most likely to see the word fisticuffsmanship. Yes. Which is worth the price of admission alone. Or discussion of Draculas. Not vampires, Draculas. Um, Ryan, thank you so much. I appreciate it. My pleasure. Thank you for talking to me. The Unbeatable Squirrel Girl is available monthly from Marvel Comics, and it has been collected in trade paperback collections such as Squirrel Power, Squirrel You Know It's True, and I Kissed a Squirrel and I Liked It. I swear to you that these are the titles. How are you not reading this book yet? You can also find Ryan's online comic strip, Dinosaur Comics, at quants.com. That's Q-U-A-N-T-Z.com. The same place you can learn more about his Shakespeare-themed Choosable Path adventure books, To Be or Not To Be, and Romeo and or Juliet. That's it for this episode of 1.21 Geekawatts. I'd love to hear what you think about this ongoing Sonic adventure through all things nerdy. What do you like? What deserves to be bludgeoned with a barbed wire-covered baseball bat? I'm sorry, too soon. Leave me a message at the social media channels and you might even hear your name on the podcast. What are those social media channels, you ask? Well, I'll tell you. Thanks for asking. You can like the 1.21 Geekawatts Facebook page where you can follow and discuss the latest film, TV, comic book, and genre entertainment news. On Twitter, I'm at 121Geekawatts. And come check out some pictures of my own geeky treasure trove at 1.21 underscore Geekawatts on Instagram. As you may already know, the 1.21 Geekawatts podcast is now available in the iTunes store. That means you can subscribe to the podcast, have future episodes delivered straight to the listening device of your choice, and never miss a geeky second. You can even catch up on older episodes. And if you enjoy the show, you can rate and review it on iTunes, which does help spread the word. And it's all free! And I'll be your best friend. Seriously, thanks to all of you that have been listening from episode to episode and have shared your feedback. Recently on Facebook, Jamie McFeely said, One of my favorite things on your podcast is when Scott stops by. I agree, Jamie, and I hope you enjoyed not only my son's brief book review on this episode, but that of my other ghost-busting guests as well. Many thanks to Valeria Valueva, Chris Bowman, Alex Frankel, Alex James, and Adam Morgenstern for sharing their post-ghost-busting thoughts. Speaking of thanks, huge gratitude to sound magician, composer, and my co-producer, David Sisko. What's this? You are and remain the finest sonic sorcerer in New York City. Dear listener, if you enjoyed this free travel-sized chunk of geekitude, please share it with a nerdy friend. You can follow, like, etc. all those social media accounts mentioned a few seconds ago and let people know that you're listening. I'm Brad Barton, and until next time, here's nerd rock band H2Awesome with our radtastic theme song. Thanks, guys. Bye-bye. 1.21 gigawatts, what every geek wants is what we got. From Doctor Who to Aqualad, we might think Luke and Leia's dead. Pop culture that is super rad, hosted by some guy named Brad. It'll rock you to your silent 1.21 freaking gigawatts.